Hey guys, thanks for joining me. Uh, I have some interesting things to point out this morning. Um, I have a story I want to tell you guys, but basically, um, if you if you guys have ever read Job, I don't know if anybody else has been kind of astounded at the conversation that happens between God and Job. It's like it's like God actually is like entering into this like convincing argument kind of thing like like he's saying things almost like sarcastically or something um anyway and so there's proof of that in other places of the bible which i'm going to show you right now in isaiah it's very interesting how when when it says we're made in the image of god it it means like literally there's there's things about us that are exactly the way it is for him and I think you'll see what I mean here um because he he gets so desperate to to get us to understand that he just wants us he just wants to be needed by us he you know that he that he engages in some pretty interesting stuff okay so in Isaiah 44 he's actually trying to um convince the people you know listen to me you know you're my chosen one I'm the one who helps you don't be afraid Um, I'm just kind of summarizing the beginning part of the chapter you know I'm the one that can pour out the water to quench your thirst and irrigate your parched fields and like I bless your children like I am the one that would do all this stuff right and so he's talking about, you know, I laid out the earth, like, like all these things about me are really obvious is what he's saying. And like, this is what, like, but I chose you to be the ones that I do all these things for. But then he goes into like, (sighs) he's saying there's proof of me having done it in ancient times, all kinds of stuff. Um, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have purposes for you. You know, all, all these good things, all these things that a lot of us crave to hear, um, are right here in the first part of this chapter. So he, he, so then he contrasts. So he just talks about all the things he, he wants to do for us and he does for us and has done for us. And, and, and that should be convincing enough. Right. But he actually goes on to make this point of like, I don't think you get it like or there's some who do not get it and so he goes further he says how foolish are those who manufacture idols these prized objects are really worthless the people who worship idols do not know this so they are all put to shame who but a fool would make his own god an idol that cannot help him one bit All who worship idols will be disgraced along with these craftsmen or mere humans who claim they can make a god. They may stand altogether, but they will stand in terror and shame. Okay, so I just want to point out, when you're thinking of an idol, um, maybe some of us, I mean, there are people who still have, like, figurines and stuff, but, uh, you know, idols... 
um, are basically anything that takes more of your time than God does. Okay. And if we actually put ourselves to that standard, quite a few of us might need to listen to what this is. Okay. (laughs) So, um, so he goes on to say, the black smith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaping it with all his might. He works and it makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the woodcarver measures a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with a chisel and plane and carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and then puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars and selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true. <laughs> okay, so this is written out literally like then, like, like, can you believe this? Like, dash, dash, like, yes, it's true. He takes the rest of it after he's cut it up to make himself a fire. He takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. Like, it's like... God is saying this with his mind a little bit blown. Like, how can you do this, right? He says he makes an idol and bows down in front of it. So he burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. And he says, quote, ah, that fire feels good, end quote. Then he takes what's left and makes his God a carved idol. Then he falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. rescue me he says you are my god verse 18 isaiah 44 such stupidity and ignorance their eyes are closed and they cannot see their minds are shut and they cannot think such stupidity and ignorance their eyes are closed and they cannot see Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who's made this idol never stops to reflect. Why, this is just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a god? I love this. Okay. He never questions, should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that cannot help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? I love it. Sound familiar, anybody? God, who's talking this through his prophet, uses words that would have been like, don't be stupid and don't be ignorant. Ask yourself the right question. Can you just look at what you're doing and and, and face the reality of what you're doing. Okay. Okay. 
Now, I've talked about some um, things in other podcasts that someone consider political-ish or controversial matters. Um, I've gone there a little bit because uh, I think my very first podcast had to do with mask wearing. Okay, sorry, but that's a prime example of not being able to look at the darn thing and say, is this a lie? (laughs) Is this a lie? And sadly, two years later, um, I I could still put out a podcast about, you know, what we need to think about with these mass things because there's still people running around, um, you know, with the the next big dose and they're putting masks on thinking that that's saving them from something. I it is mind blowing, but this says right here. It says their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Such stupidity and ignorance. They cannot see, their minds are shut and they cannot think. They never the person who makes these idols never stop to reflect. Why it's just a block of wood. Why it's just a face diaper. It's just something in my in my hand. It's a tangible, stupid thing that has done nothing for me ever. And yet panic ensues if we don't have one um, in our hands. Now, the mask is just one of many examples of those types of things. Phones, okay? Let's talk about, oh, Lord, Jesus, help us. Let's talk about phones. Can we deal? Can we deal? Do we ever just look at this phone and go, huh, is this a lie? Is this ruining my life? Let me tell you something. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth would not let people come into his house that happened to have the morning newspaper. Why? Lies. Lies. You know what he said? Only truth is allowed in here. You know what he had there? The Bible. Why? Because any truth that you want to know is the, is in the Bible. You want, you want me to prove it to you? Okay. Here we go. First John two fifteen. Love not this world, nor the things it offers you. Because when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only craving for physical pleasures. Okay, guys, this includes foods that we know are not good for us. Okay? We, we literally will joke about the food being like crack or heroin or we got to have our fix or... Okay? We are not to love these things. We are to stand up and turn away from these things. Okay? A craving for everything we see. Okay? Nice cars. It can be for a dress or a a baseball cap or a hoodie. Just this craving like, oh my gosh, I have to say, I have to have it. Or, or we're content in Christ. Can you imagine the f- peace and freedom it would be to not feel like you have to have anything except him? Because he actually does. He, he, you can have him. <laughs> okay. You don't have to try to make enough money to do it either. Okay, so <clears throat> verse 16, for the world offers only craving for physical pleasure and craving for everything that we see. And the pride of our achievements and possessions. Okay. 
This is society's way of saying that you are successful is by what you possess and what you achieve. This verse right here is telling, along with many others, is telling us specifically that this is not of God. These are the things of the world. In other words, your achievements and your possessions are not what Christ is really worried about. So if you'd call yourself a Christ follower, and so many of us do, and we don't even know what that means, his disciples were not successful necessarily in, 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 in society's eyes at all. They weren't educated well, all that, except for Judas, and we all know that what happened there. Okay? So that's where your achievements and your possessions can get you is in Judas' position. Okay? If we love those things more, Lord help us. If we actually understood <laughs> the reality of this, it'd scare the crap out of us. Okay? It really would. Okay. These things are not from the Father, but they are from this world. It goes on to say, and this world is fading away. I think we all know that that's true. Along with everything that the people crave. All the stuff you crave, it's all fading away. Won't make a heap of difference except, well, it could end you up in hell. Because you love it more than God. Okay. Here's the last line of, of this. First uh, John 2, um, 15, 16, 17, right? This is the last line. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Okay. Do we want to live forever or do we want to die in our sins? Eternal torment, all that. You know, sometimes you have to get back to the basics. This life is not what it's about. Our future beyond our last oxygen breath is what it is about. This this is literally <laughs> we're so deceived into thinking this is the this is the the life that matters. This is the life that matters in the fact that all of eternity is determined by what we do in this life. But what we get, the comfort level, the pleasures, the things we, we are always striving for is going to go away with this world and there's no eternal life in any of those things. So I just, I just felt really challenged with this whole thing, I love how uh, this is actually the New Living Translation for anybody who's wondering um, why it's kind of spelled out the way it is. But it's like literally like Isaiah 44, you know, he, he's challenging. Can can this guy that just made this idol out of, you know, part of it, he burns the wood and the and the rest of it is supposed to save him. And he can never just look at it and be like, uh, I think this whole thing is a lie. Like, like literally logical thought has, has left us. And, uh, I think as long as we're going to call ourselves the church, we need to get back to it. We, we need to get back. <laughs> okay. I have one more. I have one more thing. I gotta, I gotta prove to you. I'm just putting out there what's already in the Bible. If you aren't reading the Bible for yourself by now, Lord help us.
So this is what First uh, John two twenty six says about people who who have had the privilege of learning the truth in, in these scriptures and what they've been taught by um, the apostles. Okay, so so he's warning against the people that are going to deceive them. And, and warning them against, uh, you know, like basically saying you shouldn't be like these people who don't know the difference between truth and lies. You should know the difference between truth and lies. So he says, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you, you have received the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm sorry, but the people who want to lead you astray... If you read the Bible, you can tell who those people are. You don't have to have somebody tell you, oh, it's, you know, the fake media or anything like that. You would already know that. Nobody has to tell you that. If you if you are looking for, to the scriptures to find out who he is, if you're asking the Holy Spirit to show himself to you, okay? You don't need anybody to tell you that. If, you, if somebody tells you that and you choose to, to uh, you know, Oh no, that I don't believe that. Blah blah. blah. Then, then you're choosing exactly this this stupidity and this ignorance that this is saying. I, I think people call it uh, cognitive dissonance. You're actually literally choosing that. Okay. Um, and so I'm sorry, but if the Bible can say it, I, I guess I can too. It sounds harsh or whatever, but sometimes we just do stupid things. So let's humble ourselves, get out of it and stop being that way. Right. <laughs> How awesome would that be? Okay. But you who have, okay. So first John two twenty seven. but you have received the Holy spirit and he lives within you. So you do not need anyone to teach you what is true. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry, but wouldn't that just change churches altogether if we knew this verse was in here? Why is a pastor up there taking the weight of everything? Oh, Lord, don't get me started. Hmm? That subject is for another time. But just consider that. I dare you to consider that. You have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you, so you do not need anyone to teach you what is true. You want to know where the scripture is? 1 1 John 2, verse 27, right here in the Bible, okay? For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. He didn't say some of the things you need to know. He said everything you need to know. And what He, the Spirit, teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. So the Holy Spirit has taught you to remain in fellowship with Christ. That's the first step. Now, does God give people the ability to teach? And am I saying don't ever listen to anyone else because you have this Holy Spirit? No, I'm saying, I, I mean, of course, I mean, we're humans and we get ourselves in a place where it's like sometimes what someone else is thinking about can really help our perspective. Okay, we need each other in that way. I'm not saying not teach. I'm saying you do not need anyone else to tell you what is true when you're in communication with the Holy Spirit. 
You don't need anyone else to do it. Just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship. Okay? Relationship. If you don't know what a relationship with God looks like, you don't know what to do, say, all that stuff, think about a regular relationship on the earth. If you don't have very good interpersonal relationships um, on earth, well, start with God. He's way more merciful and forgiving than anyone else anyway. Give it a shot. Start telling him what's truly on your mind. You think he doesn't know? Just this morning I had that that kind of issue, you know? Like, okay, Lord, I want to start praying for these different things. And it was like, you know what? I, I just need to talk to him about how I feel. Because, yes, I'm burdened by different things and I want to pray for uh, about different things. But sometimes I just got to figure out what's going on between me and him. Is everything cool? You know, are we, are we good? Is there something I need to know? Do I need to sit and listen for a while? Just quietly contemplate. Let him just in that still small voice tell me my next move or just tell me that he loves me or comforts me somehow. <laughs> it's a relationship. It's a relationship. Sometimes there's times you just sit together with somebody. You don't, you don't even need to say anything. If you feel like you need to say something all the time, there's probably agitation in you that's trying to, to fix something out of, out of your own need to control. Okay? And a lot of times just taking the quiet route will help things fix themselves. Okay? So until next time, over and out.